Sam. Hey. Oh, hello, how are you? Sorry, I'm really, really excited to hear your voice. <laughs> I was very excited to talk to my guest for this episode. She was at a studio in New York, and I was in L.A. And yeah, when we began our chat, when the lines connected, I came in kind of hot. I'll just lower the volume on this. I promise I won't yell that loud the entire interview. How are you doing, Sam? I'm good. I'm going to calm it down. <laughs> calm it right down. From NPR, I'm Sam Sanders. It's been a minute. That voice you're hearing, that is Michaela Cole, the award-winning actress, screenwriter, singer, songwriter, poet, and playwright. And yeah, I am really into her work and her career. A lot of you may know Michaela from her role as Tracy on the British sitcom Chewing Gum. On that show, she plays this wonderfully awkward and brazen, recovering Pentecostal on a mission to lose her virginity. I'll just be having a normal kind of sexy dream. Oh, Tracy, don't you dare. It gets too intense, and then I squirt blood out my nostrils. Michaela Cole is also the star of a new thriller streaming right now on Netflix. It's called Black Earth Rising. This show is all about race and genocide and international human rights law. I don't remember my family or my country. I don't know my own name. The only thing I know is that it happened to nearly a million people and I will never forget it. In this chat, Michaela and I talk about both those shows, uh, how she went from spoken word poetry to TV, and how she moves through the industry as a black woman challenging just about all of the industry's expectations of her. As I said, Michaela was in New York. I was in L.A. Microphone levels were adjusted. Enjoy. Before we dig into all of your recent and current work, I do want to say we have one big thing in common that excites me. Mm-hmm. Uh, we both shave our heads. Uh, how did I have a feeling you were going to say something that's changed in me? And because you're not here, you can't see that my hair's growing. <gasps> did you grow it out? <laughs> how long is it now? That's uh, fine. It's like, how long is it now? It's like uh, maybe an inch or two. <laughs> because, I'm still um, short. Oh, it's still really short. I started growing it in October. I have to for uh, another part. Mm-hmm. I love shaving my hair, shaving it myself. Doesn't uh, it feel good? It feels great. It always so feels simple. like it is, and like it, it, one, it's like a chance to appreciate this part of your body that you don't think about enough. Like when I shave my head, I touch my head, and yes. I feel it, and I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, it's nice. Yes. I like it. Yes, I'm with you, and it also it's like a, it cuts out so much time and fuss mm-hmm. over. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just get rid of that thing, and then it's like you have another half an hour to do something else. Like read, <laughs> you know, yeah. do some meditation, yeah. do some yoga, um, and you, your hair will always look great because you don't have any. Yes, yes, yes. And well, and like when you talk about it, well, one, I read this profile of you where you had the writer of the article, a black woman, shave my hair, uh, shave your hair for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm so normally awesome. like a level one, and mm-hmm. she was at zero, and oh, I loved okay. it. And so I was like, please. Do you mind? <laughs> so she sat me down <laughs> and she shaved my hair. <laughs> it was great. I bring it up because I also like how you talk about how that act, it's also you, in cutting your hair off, you're kind of freeing yourself from a lot of pressures and expectations that 
society and your industry put on women, especially black women? Like when you shave your hair, you shave off the burden of performing your hair. 100 uh, percent. And not just in this industry. It kind of feels like uh, it's it's bleeds into every part of your life. Uh, hair, you know, I think my mom re- permed my hair when I was mm-hmm. three. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I had permed hair till I was about 19. And it all fell out because it broke. And we should say to the white listeners, this stuff is severe. It's like yeah, it heavy-duty chemicals, mm. burns just out. My mom put some on me they, when oh I was a God, kid. Seriously? Oh, yeah. And I swear to God, I get just burning my head. Mm-hmm. Burning my head. Pain. For pain. years. Yep. Pain so that you have hair that stops defying gravity. You know, So, <laughs> so it's straight. And yeah. I would, uh, you know, I remember I put on uh, skirts on my head. And, fl- and pretend that I had uh. this hair that moved, you know, and I would watch yeah. girls with the ponytail and when they walk, the ponytail swings from side to side and it becomes this um, uh, this kind of uh, epitome of beauty. I, You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. I, I, and I, I, life is so much more, it's less yeah. stressful. There is less pressure when I get mm-hmm. rid of that thing. And yeah, maybe to many people, I'm less attractive. I'm less something to bother looking at. But I'm so much, uh, I feel freer. I enjoy looking in the mirror. And I don't care about any of those people that yeah. don't look at me because I don't have the hair. I almost see it as this metaphor for your career and for your work. Like so much of the work of yours that I have been consuming it is this process of you metaphorically shaving your head and unburdening yourself from all of the pressures that we place on women like you in a business like this one. And like when I see you in Chewing Gum, when I see you in Black Earth Rise, and when I see you in other stuff, you have shaved your performer's head of what we expect you to be. And I, th- I think that's why people love it so much. Yes. I wonder whether... I think you're right. I think I... I've actually, this is the third time I've shaved my head. I've shaved my head quite a few times. Hmm. Um, I, yes, I think uh, I like to try and, it's a bit like transparency when you shave your head off, right? Mm-hmm. You allow, mm-hmm. you, yeah, you want people to see your mind without the dressing <laughs> on yeah. top. Um, and yeah, it could be said that that's what I strive to do. Maybe with every character the character is already transparent but you can add in your layers your anxiety as an actor onto things and i try i try to avoid doing that to let the the writer's intentions come through i think on chewing gum there is a version of that i guess even though she did have a wig on for both seasons but she was Um, so emotionally raw exactly she was so raw and messy and unrefined (laughs) and in many ways that is me because if i pretend to know everything i'm not going to learn anything Mm. i have to openly be here as someone who's trying to learn uh openly confessing you know i don't know everything emotionally shaved Mm, emotionally (laughs) shaved yeah (laughs) Intellectually shaved. Yeah. (laughs) Which role has been your most transparent in that emotional way that you mentioned? Hmm. The most transparent? God, that's very hard. I don't know. I mean, I I probably would have to say 
chewing gum because I wrote it. There yeah. is a, a transparency in, in that. But then Black Earth Rising is, I think, the writer is trying to be transparent and I am mm-hmm. trying to assist the writer mm-hmm. in in his uh, transparency. He's trying to shave uh, uh a, a complicity that we maybe have, an ignorance that I definitely had. He's trying mm. to shave off um, what can be as seen as... Uh, let's not think about those things because they're a little bit harrowing and mm-hmm. uh, we don't know what part we had in that and we don't know anything. He's trying to kind of go, hey guys, let's just have a look. Yeah. So I'm watching Black Earth Rising right now and it starts off with an inherently very uncomfortable conversation, like from the first scene. Yes. When this guy in the audience is basically saying, you think you're saving Africa, you're just perpetuating the old systems that mm-hmm. led to Africa's oppression, to which the character who plays your mother, who adopted your character from Rwanda after a genocide there, she says on the podium or the stage, <laughs> yeah. she says, well, if it helps at all, I adopted a black child. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she's Woo! black African. <laughs> what she says. Just like that. It was heavy. I know. And this is, I mean, like, so are watchers of this show going to be on this same, like, emotional racial tightrope the entire time? I, you know what? <laughs> uh, possibly. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I think uh, what, you know, what did I read recently? A woman called uh, Mon- Monroe Bergdorf, I'm a big fan of, uh, mm-hmm. posted something on Instagram that says your proximity to blackness doesn't make you not uh, racist or ignorant. Mm. And I think that that's completely valid. Like it takes a little bit more than that. Uh, mm. Okay, great. You know, you have a, a black child or your next door neighbor's best friend's sister's aunt's uh, husband is black. That's great. Um, but what else? Um, yeah. Also, you else? don't get a trophy for that. I mean, you literally don't get a trophy for that. <laughs> yeah. That's why yeah. you don't have a trophy for that. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, um, what does that really mean? Uh, it's yeah. it's harder than that. It's uh, it's It goes deeper than that. And uh, yeah. I think uh, through the series, we learn that. Oh, yeah. Give like a 30-second Oh, God, are you going synopsis. about to tell me to do a 30-second plot synopsis? For people, because well, I feel like I described the first scene, but I didn't describe like the show holistically well enough, so I want to give you a chance to do that. So first, I mean, I can't describe the show holistically well enough in 30 <laughs> seconds. All right, then take two Let minutes. me have a little go. Okay. Yes, yes, okay. Uh, it's, uh, the show centers around a woman called Kate Ashby, who's a legal investigator, uh, and she is trying, you know, she's adopted by a white, uh, you know, war crimes prosecutor and taken to England. She has no memory of her past. And uh, she is trying to figure out who she is. uh, And she's very shocked to find out that her mom is prosecuting people who helped bring the genocide to a close, the genocide that her family died in. So that complexity drives her throughout eight episodes to figure out uh, what is going on and it makes her connect with her past and find out who she is yeah it is such a departure from the work that i think a lot of americans were introduced to you by chewing gum like it's such a departure How, how hard was it to go from that to this I think in many ways it's a departure and then in kind of many abstract ways it kind of isn't, you know. Hmm. It's about, you know, in some way Tracy is a girl who uh, 
is in a very religious household, extremely repressed, and she wants to find out who she is, her biology. She has a sexual nature that is completely repressed, and she wants to figure out herself. And so, so in, in chewing in, gum. Yeah. Yes, in chewing gum, yeah. Uh, but it is a departure in terms of genre, in terms of intellectual complexity. It is political. It's mm-hmm. uh, dense. It's, uh, uh, a tra- it's traumatic. It's uh, very much... Uh, uh, it's fictional, but it's inspired by uh, real-life events, by real-life traumas and tragedies. And chewing gum is very much, uh, in 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 many ways, for people to laugh and feel a sense of uh, joy and relief. Oh, yeah. I've had moments where I'm crying and laughing at the same, at the same time. time. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yes. yes. All right, time for a break. When we come back, Michaela and I chat about the sex song she sings on chewing gum. If you know, you know. If you don't, you'll find out soon. Uh, But parents, be advised. It's a song about sex parts. All right, BRB. Support for this podcast and the following message come from the Walton Family Foundation, where opportunity takes root. More information is available at waltonfamilyfoundation.org. How do we perceive our experience as humans? Who are we today and who could we be tomorrow? I'm Guy Raz. On the TED Radio Hour, we go on a journey through the big ideas that animate our world. Each week, it's the TED Radio Hour from NPR. I do want to talk a bit about chewing gum. I actually was watching a bit of your new show before I came in here for the interview, and a colleague saw your face on the screen, and he just yelled, Chewing gum! (laughs) It's like, yes, sir. Yes, yes, okay. (laughs) But, um, okay, so that show, I'll do the synopsis for this one for you. I'll take that burden off of you. It is a loud, vibrant comedy all about a sexually repressed young black Christian girl in London who decides against the will of her holy roller mother and sister to have a sexual awakening. Hilarity ensues. That's so good. Can you write that down for me so I can like tell other people <laughs> when they ask me what things are about? I'm just going like, to read whatever you say. I want to talk about how how this thing came to be on our TV screens. I love the backstory about the show and I want you to kind of walk me through it. It started out as like a stage play and then like over 41 drafts, it became a TV series. Like Uh, how long did it take you to get it to where it was when we saw it? So, yes, I was in uh, drama school. And uh, I had found all through uh, my time, uh, but especially in final year, we were doing all these plays that I didn't quite feel uh, like I could feel like I was being a genuine, authentic representation of the characters in. And Mm. so we have the option to take yourself out of one of the main plays and uh, do your own little thing in the studio. No one comes to it. It's like a 10-minute solo piece. Normally people kind of uh, do abstract kind of movementy things. Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, I'm going to do a 10-minute piece and I'm going to just write down memories of being in school. And so from that came a storyline called, uh, and it was a play called Chewing Gum Dreams. And it was a, a, a very dark comedy. So literally when we spoke about crying and laughing at the same time, it was mm. 10 minutes of crying and laughing at the same time. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so I did that. And uh, then I left. I dropped out early because I I liked writing my own thing and doing it. And mm. I found a, a theatre, a new place called The Yard. It was happening in some industrial wasteland. This guy wanted to set up a theatre and uh, somehow managed to get him to read my script and he said great you know make it an hour 
and I'll do it but you have to do all your own marketing you've got to build your set design your set design your flyers do everything um and I was like oh my god yes so I did it I extended it and uh my play was up it was five days and it sat 200 people and it was sold out for all the five days and yeah that was chewing gum dreams one agent came and signed me then she sent that script around to various different production companies and Mm. one production company uh got back and they said we'd like to you know try and help her develop it into a tv show and Mm. they were a comedy production company so that meant take away all the dark things and take away the word dreams (laughs) so there you had (laughs) what i love about your character tracy in the show is that she is physically a grown-up having the physical and sexual urges of an adult yes but she is emotionally stunted in part because of her upbringing and her severe churchy upbringing she wasn't Mm. allowed to think about or express sexuality until like she decides she has to Mm. and so you end up with this woman trying to be a woman but she still in many ways feels like a girl and it's expressed in these wonderfully comedic moments like there's this song your character sings tracy sings entering my toe what will he find (laughs) it's a world of adventure it's a world of adventure will i smile will i scorn when my hymen has been torn dry like a desert or wet like rain what will he do to my membrane oh yeah (laughs) <laughs> I was going to say I was going to have my producer play the tape of that but you did it for me I'll do it I can even harmonize play it I'll bring in some harmonies <laughs> oh man it's so it was so good I played that scene probably about three or four times yes 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 oh man how much you know the whole the whole the whole crux of like the character's motivating motivation for everything is that she was raised in this holy roller house and wasn't able to like learn how to be a sexual being and then she goes about deciding to figure that out Mm. were you raised churchy you were churchy for a little while right yeah i wasn't raised churchy it's so strange i wasn't raised churchy i became churchy uh Mm. when i was 18 i became a christian really Um, how did that happen uh, I, I, I mean, I dropped out of college. I, I dropped out of uni as well. I like dropping out of things. Um, <laughs> and I met a girl who was a dancer. And I kind of just started following this girl because, you know, when you drop out, you're kind of just looking for things to do. And I became a dancer in this dance group and then found out it was a Christian dance group and didn't want to leave the dance group. Huh. So didn't really vocalize the fact that I really kind of wasn't like actually Christian. So there I was kind of like, you know, there's like an assumed culture of being a Christian, you know, like you kind of say, oh, like praise God. And so you kind of learn this kind of basic lingo Mm -hmm. and you kind of, uh, you can get away with appearing to be something that you're not. (laughs) And so say praise the Lord, saints, praise the Lord, hallelujah, amen. Like, you know, God (laughs) forbid, uh, Uh all this kind of stuff, you know, you learn it, you learn it and you don't even need to open the Bible. Then I went to church maybe two or three times. And on that final time, Mm -hmm. the pastor said, uh, it's a standard kind of weekly altar call is what it's called. Okay, you know about these things? Oh, yes, ma'am. Yes. So he said, if you don't know Jesus, raise your hand. I'm up here. uh Uh-huh. And I kind of thought I did know Jesus, but I (laughs) discovered my hand was up in the air. And Uh I ran to the altar and I got on my knees and I was crying. This all was happening beyond my control. And I was kind of saying to God, this, this... 
uh, thing. I'm so sorry for not acknowledging you, for not acknowledging your presence. Um, mm. uh, what a what a disrespect to you, to the life I have. You know, to, it, a lack of gratitude. And I became a. I fell in love with God, and this is all very true. And I say that in full knowledge that I do not go to church anymore. Um, mm. I built up a faith based on that church and based mm. on that altar call uh, mm-hmm. that then was beginning to uh, be shattered because then mm. I was in the world. I was in drama school and you're kind of taught in my particular church uh, things are wrong. Uh, sex like what? before yeah. marriage is wrong. Homosexuality is wrong. Uh, divorce is wrong. Uh, all these things are wrong. And I'm in now in drama school. And I am supposed to be spreading the word of God and their blood will be on my hands if I don't tell all the people having sex and all the gay people and all my teachers who are divorced that they're going to go to hell if they don't give their lives to Jesus and go to church and go to the altar. But it didn't feel like something I should say. Um, Mm. And, uh, you know, it's now, you know, I've had to come full circle. Uh, It could be that my view as a Christian was two-dimensional and maybe there's another version of Mm. being a christian where you just believe in the character of jesus you believe in Mm. the things he did i Mm. want to live my life the way jesus led his life do i want to live my life the way other people in the bible led their lives i don't know you know i don't know if i want to be like the apostle paul i don't know if i like the kind of stuff he was doing i don't really know if i like these rules about um being gay you know i don't know if i believe that it's a sin i don't Mm -hmm. and i'm like well what did jesus say he didn't really make any comments about that stuff (laughs) he was just kicking it with people traveling around his posse giving people food and being like let me see if i can heal you in the process correct I like Jesus <laughs> a lot. Same. I really like Jesus. Yeah. I had to like, I kind of like had a whole epiphany last year mm. where mm. I was like, yo, like whatever this thing is, mm-hmm. uh, God, Jesus, history, the mm-hmm. idea of the spirit of who Jesus was, I feel that is something somehow with me. Uh trying to teach me and steer me and I look to Jesus but I also look to every religious text I look to everyone and everything Uh, I think there's something to learn from everything so you still believe in something listen I don't know (laughs) (laughs) I I, I believe that it's better to hope and to believe yeah Yeah. I'm gonna tell you my little Christian story now because it just opened up the word for me. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I was raised uh, Pentecostal, apostolic. My mother was a church organist. We went to like one of those holy roller churches where mm-hmm. everyone's speaking in tongues and chanting. Uh-huh, yes, me too. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So I was in it, mm-hmm. like saved, Holy Ghost filled. And just like, you know, over time, you like drift away for the same reasons you list, like yes. the people in your life, the people you come to know in adulthood. Mm-hmm. You're like, I don't think they're going to hell. (laughs) I don't think their lives are bad. I don't think my life is bad because I don't Mm. follow these rules. And Mm. I think, like, for me, hearing you say, like, you believe, like, Mm. for me, the epiphany was, like, I stopped looking for the Jesus described to me in church and the Mm. rules put upon him by the Mm. church. And I stopped looking for, like, God, big G, (laughs) the universal in the world. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, like, before, I think I used to have this idea that, like, the deity was this one thing and it was there. But now I want to look at it and say, God can be everywhere and anywhere. 
and how can I live a life where I see God in everyone, try to create God through the work that I do, mm-hmm. try to bring God to the people that I'm in communion with, like mm-hmm. God more as like, I don't know, something that can be everywhere and not just this thing that's on a pedestal yes. and that has all these arbitrary rules. Yeah, I'm, I'm completely with you. And uh, I, I sometimes think, you know, I don't want to be doing these things that you've just described as seeing God in everyone and trying to, you know, act out of love. I don't want to ever feel like I'm doing those things because if I don't, God will punish me. Yes. I would rather... You know, when I became a Christian, and this sounds so crazy, it sounds nutty. When I first became a Christian, I honestly believed for a long time that either way I was going to hell. So I'm just going to do, it's like, because I would never, I don't deserve to be in any heaven. Mm -hmm. It's like, I'm just here to serve God. No, no, no. There's no, there's no golf. There's no trophy for me. I'm a sinner. I'm crap. But because so much of it is shame-based. So much, so of, the much way of it that we is, shame-based. is shame-based. And the church had to literally, it was almost like, okay, no, Michaela, too far, too far. No, no, <laughs> you know, no, 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 you're going to heaven. I'm like, no, 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 I'm not. No, uh. I'm, I'm going to, I'm like, I know my punishment. I do not wow. deserve it. I know. I was super, I mean, it was mm. even. It sounds the, sad, depressing. It does sound sad, doesn't it? It's like, whoa, girl, are you okay? <laughs> are you okay? Yeah. And so now it's like, no, it doesn't. Is it important that I know what happens beyond this life? Mm. Let me shift my focus to where I am now. What can Mm -hmm. I do now? How can I change myself so that I'm of benefit to helping that, helping my neighbor? That's Mm. all we have for sure are the Mm. people here, is the earth we're living on. Let's focus where we are right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's like when you take on that mentality Mm. when you begin to search for the God wherever you are and understanding that it can come in many forms Mm -hmm. you kind of realize like when you do find those slices of God like those moments of beauty (laughs) slices of God you know like (laughs) that like maybe that's heaven maybe that's it you know maybe like I don't know what's going to happen next but I do know that moment of connection that moment of beauty that moment of love feels heavenly yes right and maybe that's enough for the day and, and maybe can... that is enough for the day. Yeah. Isn't that satisfactory? It is. Okay, time for a break. Keep listening. Soon you'll hear Michaela tell me about a totally different kind of church, the Church of Black Mirror. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Newman's Own Foundation, working to nourish the common good by donating all profits from Newman's Own food products to charitable organizations that seek to make the world a better place. More information is available at newmansownfoundation.org. Hey, it's Maria Hinojosa, host of NPR's Latino USA, the podcast that takes you inside the Latino conversation. Each week, we'll take you into one story that will fascinate and often surprise you. Listen to Latino USA on the NPR One app or wherever you listen to podcasts. How was it doing Black Mirror? It seems like such this <laughs> weird, amazing cult. <laughs> you know, I think it. I'm wondering if I do feel like it is a bit cultish, and I'm I act in, I'm like a really um, zealous worshiper in this cult. Um, like I've gone, I've been baptized twice. <laughs> what am I doing? Um, it's it's so fun. What was your episode called? Uh, one was called Nosedive. The other one was called USS Callister. Yeah, yeah. Nosedive was my first dip. I was mm-hmm. in one scene in season two, and 
I, I shot one day and it was honestly the be all and end all of my life for that entire year wow. and people say what's your favourite character this is after chewing gum I would be like the airline stewardess from No Star Black Mirror is the best <laughs> character I have ever played I loved that one scene wow. so much I yeah. yes and then I did USS Callister and mm-hmm. it was incredible it's uh, I uh, I'm a part of that church <laughs> yeah. Black have you done Bandersnatch yet of course I've done Bandersnatch. Of course I've done Bandersnatch. <laughs> I'm scared to. Bandersnatch is like very like what the hell is going on? Now this and is a, so this is all, it's like a choose your own adventure for yes, the new Black Mirror season. Yes, yes, wow. and it's a little bit like uh Oh, no, Charlie, I don't want to choose. Please, please don't give me that power. I don't want to. Please just tell me stories. It's a little bit like I am the kid that you read the stories to. I am the (laughs) attendee in the church. I do not want to be a pastor. Uh Charlie, you do the writing, okay? (laughs) And we're going to learn from you. I don't like control. I like to be warned. I do not like to teach when it comes to technology and all those things. Oh, yeah. It's funny hearing you talk about, like, technology and your relationship with it because I also love Mm. how candid you are about the often pervasive and negative effects of social media. And it's refreshing to hear a celebrity talk about it because so much of what we see with celebrities interacting with social media platforms is, this is great, look at my life, it's so great. Whereas you're like... I took a three-week break from Instagram because, ugh. Yeah, yeah, three months, you know, three months. Oh, really? (laughs) Three months, you said? Yeah, three months. So, but I told everybody else to, I think I said take three weeks off because you can't tell people to take three months off from Instagram. Wait, you lied to folks and said you took three weeks or you actually took three months? No, no, I took three months, but I said, you guys, hey, why don't you take three weeks? Because three three months is intense. I'm like, I can't tell anyone to take three months off Instagram. How I mean, was that's it? like, oh, amazing. You know, at first, it's like my, I would uh, keep scrolling on my phone and be mm-hmm. like, what am I scrolling for? Just kind of endlessly swiping. Oh, my mm-hmm. body is looking for Instagram. My body is my like body looking, is for, looking my, for Instagram. Yeah, and it's like, I deleted the app. It's like, it's not there. You're just scrolling yeah. endlessly. Yeah. So it's in my body. That was kind of scary. So yeah. I had to get to a point where it's not in my body anymore. And now I can go back now I like love Instagram because now I control my relationship with Instagram Mm -hmm. it is not in control of me maybe many people on TV do do oh my life is great my life is great but I'm like I feel like everybody does that on social media they Mm -hmm. put out this version of events where everything is Mm -hmm. amazing just been Mm -hmm. here isn't it great look at all my friends everything's really great always really great look at how I look today and uh, it makes other people feel like uh, inadequate and I'm like no no, people need to know no, that that's not their lives. Nobody no. woke up like that. <laughs> nope. Not even Beyonce. Correct. Correct. Nobody woke up like that. Not like that. Not like that. Uh, another thing about us, we're both obsessed with Brexit. Are we I both think. obsessed with Brexit? Are you obsessed? <laughs> You've talked about who you might choose to negotiate Brexit. What did I say? Remember this? Who did I choose? I think you chose Rihanna. You don't remember this? I read all the interviews you've I've definitely done. changed my mind. I'm going for, like, Michelle Obama now. Now I'm like, oh, no, no, no. We're in a lot of trouble right now. So I'm like, okay, can we have Michelle Obama? Um, Michelle Obama, I feel comfortable with that. I would uh, let Dwayne The Rock Johnson do it. Who? Dwayne The Rock Johnson. The Rock. You've let The Rock do I don't know enough about The Rock. I really don't know Everyone enough about The Rock. Everyone likes him. I don't know enough about The Rock. You know, I really don't know enough about The Rock. Um, but I'm, I've seen Michelle Obama do live talks. I really respect her. And she seems very wise. So yeah. I'm going for Michelle Obama. Well, I am just was an honor. You, you uplifted me and warmed my heart. This was a joy. Thank you, man. Nice talking. 
Many thanks again to Michaela Cole. Her latest show, Black Earth Rising, is streaming right now on Netflix. We're back in your feeds Friday with our weekly wrap. Until then, uh, email us. We'll talk about stuff. samsanders at npr.org. Let me know what you want to hear on the show, what's on your mind. Send me photos of dogs and babies, all that cool stuff. All right. Till Friday. Thanks for listening. Talk soon.